Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft on the full and new moon every month. In this episode, we meet Deborah, a witch living in Alaska. Deborah talks to us about building a community for herself and others, how growing up in Alaska shaped her practice, and how you should let your body get weird at least once a day. Now let's get to the stories. Hello, Deborah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Cam. Thank you so much for having me. Would you please introduce yourself and let people know who you are and what you do and where they can find you? Yes, ma'am. So I am Deborah Fay. I am a witch living in Anchorage, Alaska. I am one of four owners of a shop called Stag and Moon. And you can find us at www.stagandmoon.community. I also am one of six owners of an umbrella company called Six of Wands that is just now being formed. And we are getting ready to move into a physical location and open a brick and mortar. Uh, We do not have any social medias for that yet. Oh, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Um, So, but I am partnering with a company called Wreath. So you can find her at at Wreath AK and also a company called Eye of Lyra. And you can find her just Eye of Lyra and a company called Tales of the Tarot. And you can find her at Tales of the Tarot, all of this on Instagram Um, as well as my personal massage practice, Four Winds Massage Therapy. It's actually Four Winds Therapeutic Massage, but I'm tripping over my words. Um, Yeah, and we are are a shop. We're a metaphysical and occult supply store. But above that, we are a hub of community. And we really just want to build community and providing supplies is just a sneaky way of getting all of the witches into our door. (laughs) (laughs) What made you want to do all that? Again, just, it really comes down to community. Um, I have been a solitary witch for my entire life. (laughs) And I've looked and I've looked and I've looked for community. And of course there's online community, but I just thrive so much more in a person to person environment. And I just was, I've been looking since I was 12 and I never encountered anyone or I'd encounter one or two people, but then we'd move and life would change. And finally I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to open a witch store and all of the witches will just have to come to me and I'll just be everyone's best friend and I'll just make a witchcraft community. Um, And so I had driven out to this beautiful, beautiful ocean town called Homer. And I spent the night there. It was early. It was like the end of April, early May. And I was just like this solitary trip. This was in 2020. And I just needed to take some space from life. And when I was driving back, I was thinking about the fact that we have, we have two witch stores close to Anchorage, which is the hub of Alaska. It's like the biggest city in Alaska. And one of them is in a little town called Houston, which is about 55, 60 miles away. And then the other one is in Sterling, which is about 250 miles away. And I'm like, there's nowhere, there's nowhere to get anything or just to like find other people. And so I got online and I was part of a couple different groups here, like local groups. And I was like, all right, you guys, I got this wild hair. Who wants to start a witch store with me? And I got some responses and we just kind of took it from there. And now it's, you know, we're starting our third year in business and we've created this beautiful, beautiful community and it's amazing. I just, I did it because I wanted, wanted to be friends with witches. That's why I did this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. I love your podcast, by the way. It is so beautiful to just hear 
people's witchcraft stories and for people to just be open and out about it, even if they're not out in their real life, just to facilitate that space for people to be heard and not get that metaphorical pat on the head when they're, when they call themselves a witch. I'm just like, Oh, thank you. It's just really cool to hear how many of us have a lot of really similar experiences. Well, speaking of that, what does it mean when you call yourself a witch? Oh, uh, it means to me just like living my most authentic self, being my most authentic self. Um, I've always been a believer. Like one of my life mottos is believing is seeing because like I don't need to see things to believe it. And I just have always felt the magic in life. And for me, being a witch is just like living that and not dampening the magic and the wonder that is life. Like, sure, we have all of these beautiful and amazing scientific explanations for all of these things that happen, but that still doesn't change how mind-blowing everything is and the magic of everything. Um so yeah, just again, I'm going to point out calcium channels again for that because <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like everything, literally everything is magic, and I love that. I love that, and I love being able to tap into it. And being a witch gives me that opportunity and that space, and it gives me a name for what I do, <laughs> which is great. Um. Yeah, so being a witch for me just is being the most authentic version of myself. Do you have any daily or routine practices that you'll share? Um, I do, actually. So one thing I like to do in the morning, which actually is something that I took up from On a Hottest Purpose, um, was I wanted to incorporate more breath, sound, and movement into my practice. And so every morning I go into my little witch room. I have this really beautiful space in my house that's dedicated to my practice and my magic. And I light a candle for Sekhmet, who is this powerhouse of an Egyptian goddess. And I throw on this song by St. Mesa called Lion. And I dance and I dance every morning. And sometimes it's great dancing. Sometimes it's real weird dancing, whatever my body wants to do. Um, and then also every night, I can't say every night, most nights, um, I have this teeny tiny little altar next to my bed and I light a candle and I pull a card for the day and I just journal I journal about the card. I journal about what happened in my day, the gratitudes. And I have this planner called the Law of Attraction Planner. And it's got 10 quote unquote power questions for the end of the night. And I just answer those power questions. And it's questions like, how did you love today? Um, and what else? Like, how can you, or how did you live your passion today? And just like really great questions that even if you didn't have those experiences, like if you didn't do anything that moved you forward in your, in your heart's desire or your passions, it causes you to become mindful of that. And you're like, okay, this is how I can do this tomorrow. This is one way I can add more magic into my day tomorrow or more joy into my day tomorrow. So those are my daily practices. I like that. Yes. I like the movement one. Oh, I love the movement one. I actually one. like both of them. I, I should probably do both of them. Yeah. It took me a long time to start doing the card and the journal thing. I used to journal all the time, but then my privacy was invaded by my dear sweet mother. And so I was like, I don't even need to journal. <laughs> this isn't a safe space. Um, and I tried for a long time actually to do the daily card in the morning, but I just really found that the, the morning wasn't feasible for me to sit down and journal and have a cup of tea. Like I have a seven-year-old, I've got 
life that I need to do. When I wake up, I'm ready to go. I'm not ready to sit down. And so I really like the movement practice in the morning because it is something where I feel like I'm going. I have that movement. And it just helps to get my body nice and loose and ready for the day. Everything's warmed up. And it just brings me a lot of joy. I love dance. Do you feel like you have a family history with witchcraft? I do not. Um, my family is, none of them were ever religious. I grew up in a very non-religious household and they weren't even like atheist. They just were very indifferent to all of it. Um, and my family also is very, 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 very small and estranged. So when I say my family, it's like four people. And so the four adults in my life were never any kind, had any kind of religion, practiced any sort of religion. Um, and I never really learned about anyone beyond those four people. I don't know anyone from my mom's side. I don't know anyone from my dad's side. And so and that's all I have to base it on. So I'm sure, like I am a firm believer that all of us come from witches because you go back far enough. There were women in our timeline and men as well, but like primarily the maternal timeline is the one I'm more interested in um, that were healers that were oracles that were just connected to the land and to spirit. And so I feel like we all come from some sort of witchcraft background, but nothing in my direct family. I am the first. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest motivator in witchcraft? Mm. I think that just comes back to the authenticity part is the, my biggest motivator in witchcraft is by allowing myself the space to believe in the ways that I believe and practice in the ways that I practice, it gives other people that permission. And I love that for all of us, for me and for them. And it's like, so I think that's my biggest motivator. It just, it just brings joy and it gives me more, I guess, meaning it makes it seem like life has more meaning, if any meaning at all. <laughs> it gives my life meaning <laughs> to really tap in and connect to that. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to use the term divine, but just that source, that energy, and to be able to take up space in this world in a more mindful and experiential and interactive way. What do you most want out of your practice? Hmm. That's a good question. I, what I most want out of my practice is again, just to feel like I am an active part of my own life, that I am not just a cog in the universal scheme. What I want most out of my practice is just the knowledge and the awareness that I am creating the reality that I want to be a part of. Um, and yeah, just knowing that I have the power to change the things that I don't want to be a part of and the, the parts of my life that I do not enjoy, even if it's very hard <laughs> Because any sort of big change like that is very hard. But for my practice, I just it helps me to know that I am in control of my existence. What would you say is your biggest struggle? Mm, my biggest struggle comes from it comes from growing up in a non-religious household. Um, it's funny because I'm I'm that person, that life motto of believing is seeing, but sometimes it's really hard for me to believe and I get in my own way. Um, 
when, especially when I first started to work with deity, I was always a very secular witch. Um, and actually I was a secular witch until I had someone show up immediately after I had this very long conversation about how like, I don't really work with deity, blah, blah, blah. And I went to a thrift store and sitting there on this like knickknack shelf was this gorgeous plate and it was Queen Nefertiti holding out an offering to Isis and a little brass cauldron and I was like oh <laughs> hi I hear you I see you <laughs> okay um so and so my biggest struggle honestly is when I started to work with deity and because I just felt silly my parents were always like oh this is nonsense religion is nonsense there's nothing to believe in blah 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 and I was like oh but I like really want to and really do and so I'll get into this space where I'm making an offering or I'm doing some sort of like work with any of the deities that I'm working with and I have these flashes of this is silly this is pointless why are you doing this like none of this is real um and that's that's a really big struggle for me is breaking down those walls and I have to consistently break them down. So you live in Alaska now. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up there? I did. Yeah. Born and raised in Alaska. Do you feel like that shaped your practice and how do you feel like it would be different if you grew up somewhere else? Mm. Um, I really do feel like it shaped my practice in a lot of ways. So we have very intense um, like light shifts here, as I'm sure everyone knows, like in the summer, it is sunny. It is sunny and it is bright and the sun at solstice in Anchorage, a summer solstice, we get mm, an hour and a half maybe of like twilight, almost nighttime. And then in the winter, the darkest months of the year, we get, I'd say uh, around four hours of daylight. And so that really shaped my practice in a way of like, I have a lot of time spent inside and I'm focusing on that right now because it's winter out. It's very wintry outside. Um, and so there's been a lot of like deep diving and a lot of internal work where in the summer I really tap more into my external work and I'm much more active in my in my practice and my connection with nature. Um, so that's one way I try to think of other ways that it has shaped my practice because it definitely has. I'm just struggling to find my words. Yeah. You know, honestly, actually another way that living in Alaska has shaped my practice is I'm finding more and more every year that I am much more of like a solar based witch. Um, and I really am starting to embrace that because for a long time I was like, Oh, that's not like really a thing. Like, but it's, it's my practice. It can be whatever I want. Like it is a thing. And I am so much, I feel so much more connected to my personal power and my, energy when the sun is out and during the summer time months like from spring to fall is when I thrive um and we don't get to see like the moon comes up and we see her but it's just she's kind of lost at the summertime and so I'm just much more of a summer sun witch than a winter witch I feel like I I go to sleep with the trees in my magical practice and I rest and I recuperate and I reflect during these long winter months on what I've learned over the past year and how I've grown in my practice over the past year and kind of let all of that sink into like my roots and the foundation of my practice so that once spring comes back and the snow starts to melt, 
I just like, I feel myself budding and I feel myself expanding and I feel my power starting to come back and I feel much more energized and my practice is very much oomphed, oomphed, emphasized. (laughs) It's oomphed um, in the summer. So I do a lot of my winter practices or like tarot card readings, journaling, shadow work, like the, the internal stuff. How would you say witchcraft has changed your life? You know, witchcraft has changed my life in, I feel like a broken record where I just keep going back into saying living my most authentic version of myself. Um, But once I really started practicing, I came so much more into myself and started trusting in myself and the decisions I was making and I was making them for me instead of anyone else. Um, and I mean, with this new store and this new community, I am, have become like this, I hate to use the word leader, but like not a leader. I just like this facilitator for magical community. And I have people now that are, coming to me, asking me questions and just like validating my experience in witchcraft and my practice in witchcraft. And just, I don't know, it's given me friendship and community, even though it took 20 years to find it. Um, It's given me that community and that connection that I really longed for my entire life. And again, just gave me that awareness that I am in control of my existence and I can live the life that I want to live instead of living life as presented to me and more living life is more of a responsive versus a reactive place. Hmm. Well, we're going to switch gears a little bit. (laughs) Let's talk about the witch community. Okay. First of all, let me ask you, do you feel there is an overarching witchcraft community, witch community, or do you think that there are small communities who happen to be witches? Because somebody (gasps) brought that up and and it made me think, what? (laughs) Yeah. That's a good question. Are there is there an overarching witch community or are there small groups that happen to be witches? I would say both of those things. Honestly, um I feel like when it comes down to witchcraft community, it's kind of the same as people's ideas of like what is a pagan versus a witch and it's like you as the idea you could be pagan is an umbrella term that witch falls under or they're two very separate things so I feel like with the witchcraft community it's very similar where there is this overarching community of people that are witches or interested in magic or metaphysics but there are also smaller groups of community that maybe are not part of the larger community. And I feel like the internet has a lot to do with that because the internet gives you access to so many different witches. Whereas like maybe the local communities or like, it's like any, any group really will naturally like offshoot into small subgroups of community and like I don't want to use the word clicks but like clicks but not in a bad way is there anything that you dislike about the witch community as a whole yes there is um I don't know if it's the community itself but the part that really grinds my gears is all of the satanic imagery that is shared constantly and i mean if people practice satanism if people worship these deities and these like energy forms 
awesome, more power to them. I am not about to tell you how to practice, but I feel like so many people who do not practice in this way, we're all sharing memes about like, oh, me and this witchy shit, that this witchy shit is like the devil and the me is like this chick riding the devil's face. And it's, I really just wish that we had representation and I wish that we were able to be open about the way that we live and the way that we believe. And all of this satanic imagery is just, furthering this fear mongering and being like, Oh, witches worship the devil, which witches are evil, which is are going to eat my fucking baby. And it's not the case. And it's like, I want people who practice witchcraft as a religion to be able to be recognized in their places of work, in their places of worship, in their places of like, literally everything. I just want them to be recognized and acknowledged and accepted. There are people out there that are still losing their job because they decide to be out as a witch. And I think that that is ridiculous. And the satanic imagery is just not helping. (laughs) It's not helping. Um, And another thing I dislike is just how, and it's mostly just the internet, People want to feel like they know something that other people do not. And so they'll take something and they will just run with it and they will get rude and they will get trolly and they will get gatekeepy. And it's like just so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. What do you love about the witch community? Ugh. That every time I've been in person with other witches, everyone is so open and accepting. And I know that not everyone has had that experience, but every experience I have had in person with other witches has been beautiful and it's been open. Um, I love when you find those areas and those moments of community where you can ask a question and people don't make you feel dumb. Like those are those little moments of community and those little subgroups of community kind of like going back to is you've got your gatekeepy community subgroups, but then you've got your community of people who are like, yeah, cool. There's a lot of information out there. You can ask a question because there's infinite answers And we're not going to make you feel dumb for answering a question or asking a question. And so I really love that about the witch community and just how empathetic a lot of the people within the community are because so many of us came to witchcraft because we were ostracized or because we just never fit in. And we're just trying to find that, area that makes us feel like we belong and so many witches really went through something like that and so a lot of them are really open and empathetic to other people's experiences so you brought up social media and the internet how do you feel social media affects your practice and Um, along with that How do you feel you use social media to affect the practices of others? Absolutely. Okay. So social media affects my practice um, in a couple ways. I would say social media affects my practice by definitely giving me inspiration for new ways to work spells. um, And like new ways to build community, like you build spiritual and witchcraft community, but mostly inspiration. It used to be kind of a sore spot because I would very much compare myself to all of these other like really aesthetic Instagram witches, but I kind of moved through that and I was like, this is, this is a picture. Like this is art. I look at it as art. Um, And I love when someone wants to turn their practice into art because that can be 
a really magical experience for them. Um, so I find a lot of inspiration in social media. And also it helps me to, you know, kind of clarify my own thoughts and ideas surrounding my practice and surrounding um, my feelings about different things. Like I wouldn't honestly have known that all of this worship the devil imagery really got to me in the way that it did without social media and it probably would I probably would have stayed closed honestly like I feel like social media has helped me become more open in my practice like in my own life I am very open with my with my witchcraft and then and a lot of it was actually inspired by the fact that there is so much fear mongering going on where I'm like, look, I am a nice person. And if you get to know me, you're probably never going to think I'm going to eat your baby. And I'm a witch. And I use social media to help facilitate those like I was mentioning earlier, those pockets of safety within the witchcraft community where it's okay to ask a question. It's okay if you're a new witch. It's okay if you're like wondering, hey, why is this a closed practice? People aren't going to jump down your throat for asking a question. Um, and I use social media to bring people together. Like in my, in my own physical location, um, we host two meetups a month and we do a full moon ritual and we do a new moon gathering every month. And it's just providing social media has helped provide a space to where other people know that, Hey, there are people in my area that practice. And there are people in my area that are open to this, that I can meet and I can talk to about these things and I can share my experiences with people that are physically close to me because I love the online community but it's just so expansive I'm so much more of a in-person person and social media <laughs> has given me the ability to create that in-person community and I'm really grateful for it What would you tell somebody just starting out? Oh, to not be afraid to just do it. Just like if something is calling to you and you want to try it, just try it and then write it down um, because maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And if you don't do it, you'll never know. Um, I went years and years and years and years just reading. I read and I read and I read and I read. And so I have all of this like, book knowledge in my head but I didn't start actively practicing until the last four years because I was afraid of doing it wrong and you're not going to do it wrong you're going to do it and by doing it you're learning by doing it you're building your practice by doing it you're going to find out if it feels right for you or if it feels wrong for you and so don't be afraid and you're going to feel silly you're going to feel silly, especially if you're first starting out. And sometimes even when you've been doing it for a long time, you still have these moments of feeling silly, but that's okay. And that it's okay if you, if you're like a word switch, you like to say things out loud. If you stumble over your words, that's fine. You know, whoever you are invoking, whatever, if, if you're invoking anyone, um, if you're working with a deity, if you're just a secular witch and you're just speaking it into existence, you know, it's okay if you stumble over your words. It's okay if you have to read it out of a book. You don't have to memorize it. Um, you know, if you're just exploring these things, don't be afraid to explore. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to play. Don't be afraid to play. What would you like to hear from someone with more experience than you have yourself? Mm. honestly I would love to hear the experiences of what it felt like and how they began 
communing and really listening to and having an active relationship with the deities that they work with. Um, I am so curious about what that is like for everyone. If people are, you know, like Claire, if they're having Claire audio experiences, if they use cards, if they use the pendulums, you know, if they tried multiple different ways, how they went about creating these relationships, if they waited for a deity to call them, or if they reached out for, you know, two different gods or goddesses that they were interested in. Um, and how they went about doing that. Hmm. I think that's what I'm most curious about for people that are more experienced than me, people that have been doing it for a long time. Mine is very on a whim. And (laughs) (laughs) um, my communication with the deities that I work with are very like, (laughs) I hope I'm getting this right. Um, and I'm still just trying to really finesse that and hone it in and find the ways in which they like to be communicated with. And for me to be able to figure out the way in which I can receive most clearly communication with them. Like sometimes I do, I'll experiment with my, my pendulum or I'll experiment with my cards and just trying to hone in on how they want to communicate. Who would you say are your three biggest influences on your practice or what? Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about this question for the last couple of days because I, t- for some reason I was really resistant to my answers because if I guess I've just felt kind of, silly but then really I was like no it's not silly um and my three biggest influences are honestly two podcasts and then um a very well-known very well-known witchcraft author and I'll start with the podcasts um and obviously one of them is witch bitch amateur hour and they motivated me and like helped me with my practice so much by not being afraid to be like we don't know anything but we're gonna do it (laughs) I was like fuck yes 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 and like they're just taking us along for the ride and so when I first found them I was like this is amazing (laughs) this is beautiful and the other podcast is a podcast they're amazing they're amazing and then honestly just like the whole community too like the whole waba community is like those are one of those communities i was mentioning before where people are open and people are accepting and people just see you and they love you and they take you for who you are um but charlie and macy's ability and willingness to be so open and just do it with no fear. And I mean, they were probably a little fearful because they're starting a podcast and they don't, you know, but it was mostly just fun and they, they bring joy to their practice. And that is something that was really helpful for me because being a solitary witch for so long and not having that community, um, it, I felt like I had to be super serious in all of my workings and that I couldn't laugh and I couldn't be silly. And just giving, they kind of gave me that permission to be silly and to be okay with trying new things that maybe I wasn't very comfortable with. Um, And that was really helpful. And the other podcast is a podcast called Witch Space. And they are phenomenal. They are phenomenal. And I started listening to them. Actually, I started listening to both Waba and Witch Space in the week before I drove out to Homer and then drove back and realized that I needed community, that I needed witchcraft community. Um, oh no, I'm getting emotional because <laughs> I need community. Um, and it just, it was just beautiful. <laughs> the podcasts made me feel like I had community, even though they're just people on the other end of my speaker but they were people that took 
their practice seriously while still allowing themselves to be themselves and to be human and people who were open to talking about it and outside of the internet I had this I just got into podcasts at this time Um, outside of the internet I had never really experienced people taking witchcraft and paganism seriously I've gotten just pats on the head my whole life and I'm like oh, this is like something I'm oh, really so passionate cute. You about think you can do magic <laughs> yeah and it's like so to have to find these podcasts were really affirming and really pushed me to be more authentic and more open about my practice and to really just believe even though I've always believed but just like to believe in a more solid way and then my third choice was Scott Cunningham because of just who he was in the witchcraft community he was the like basically the first person to step out of Gardnerian and Alexandrian traditions and be like you know it's okay to be a solitary practitioner and he kind of paved the road for solitary practitioners and started putting out digestible media like his books to be like this is how you do it on your own like him and also um buckland was really about that i think they're around at the same time um and he was also like the first openly gay public witchcraft figure where in a time with alexandrian and gardenarian traditions were very 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 much about like you need to have a certain amount of people in your coven it needs to be male female male female male female and scott cunningham was like you know like no you don't and i really love that he was able to step away and pave the way for queer practitioners and people who did not resonate with these like binary af yes and and like these traditions and practices which back then were like the primary witchcraft practices here in like western civilization and so i really love what he did and am grateful for even though he's like very very wiccan you know, which I am not Wiccan and a lot of people, I think Wicca is a really great place to start. Um, But it was really cool once I learned more about him to hear about what he did and the way he paved the way for so many people. And he took this practice that was very structured and there was only one right way in air quotes to do things. And he was like, I don't want any of that noise. And there are more than one right way to do things. This is the right way for me. And just that, it kind of encapsulates all of it, the right way for me and turning it into a very personal practice. And I just really love that. Who would you like to see on this show? That's a fun question. I, this is a two-part answer. Um, As a person that I know, I would love to see my friend Alicia on the show. She's the woman who owns Tales of the Tarot, and she is just an oracle in every sense of the word. And she's recently stepped into her power as an oracle, and it is just mind-blowing. It is so cool to watch this experience and this story and just her whole self expand and become who she's like truly meant to be. Um, and then in a dream world, I would love to hear you interview Danielle Dulski. And she is the author of Woman Wild and the Heathen Bible for, or Bible for the Heathen Woman. I can't remember what it's called, like the exact verbiage of it. Um, also, Seasons of Moon and Flame. She is this phenomenal, like wild 
witch. She is also on my list of like people who have influenced my practice. Um, she's a a words witch, very much a words witch, and I also am a words witch. Um, but her prose is phenomenal, and she speaks to through her writing. She speaks to these like muddy vibrant parts of the deepest darkest recesses of your little witchy soul and just pulls them out and it's amazing what she does with her prose and I'm sure her practices are phenomenal as well (laughs) phenomenal author and I just I want to listen to all of the interviews ever for her (laughs) At the end, I have two requests. Okay. One, please recommend something to the listeners. Mm, I recommend letting yourself get weird. Um, I recommend finding a safe space in your home, maybe when no one is there, and feeling what your body wants to do and just letting your body move. And once you're comfortable with letting your body move on every exhale, let your body make a noise, no matter what it is. Even if it's just a sigh, even if it's just (sighs) start with that and just let your breath make a sound and then Tap in and see if your body wants to make any other noises, if it wants to growl, if it wants to yip, if it wants to scream, and just explore that. Play with that and see how that makes you feel. Thank you. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, will you please tell me a story that you love to tell? Yes. Yes, I will. (laughs) My favorite part. (laughs) Um, So I have a very vivid imagination. And sometimes this comes through in my waking life where I will like maybe tap out a little bit and have like full on visions. And there was this one time, it was in 2013, maybe 2014, um, I was living on Kauai. Uh, I was living on this beautiful farm. I was woofing, which if you don't know what woofing is, it's worldwide opportunity on organic farms. Um, if you are young and unattached, I strongly recommend looking into woofing. You can travel the entire world and you can stay on farms and do a work trade and it's glorious. But I was living on Kauai and I had gone to this river with these women that I had just met. And we were in the river, we were sunbathing on rocks, we were naked. And I have always really loved the sky. I've always loved clouds. It's probably one of my favorite parts about being a human is the fact that I get to see clouds um, and the sky. So actively seeing human, I know not everyone is able to do that, but so I was laying on this rock and I was looking at the sky and I saw this really beautiful cloud that was like 100% a dragon pretending to be a cloud. And I was like, ah, I see you, friend. And then I felt something land on my knee. And I look down and there is just this stunning, vibrant, sapphire blue dragonfly sitting on my knee. And I was like, whoa, dragon in the sky, dragon on my knee. And then I get like overwhelmed with this vision. And it's this dragon and you know how you know your stereotypical dragon holds all of their treasures and these hordes under the mountain and they never leave their treasure mm-hmm. well I imagined this dragon I saw I'm just, I didn't imagine like I am convinced I saw this dragon pick up a handful of jewels we had 
diamonds, we had emeralds, we had sapphires, we had so many jewels. And he breathed this fire into this handful of jewels and the jewels left his hand and turned into dragonflies and left the cave. And that was how the dragon experienced the world was through these dragonflies. And it was amazing. It was such a beautiful vision. I was fully awake for all of this. And it just like slammed into my consciousness and this, like, I can see it. I can see it right now. Like all of it. It was amazing. Holy shit. It was so cool. And I have like little moments like this all the time. And I wish I could make it happen when I wanted it to happen, but it doesn't. Maybe if I meditated and like tried to <laughs> tried to work on my vision practices, I could probably make it happen. But yeah, it was beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I want to see it with my eyeballs. And not just my brain eyeballs. Well, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hopefully it was as good for you as it was for me. Yay, it was wonderful. <laughs> I miss you and I'm glad, I'm glad I get to talk to you. Yeah, I miss you too. I'm very excited to see you again and everyone at Anahata's. Yes. Everyone. Every single person, even the people I haven't met yet. I'm so excited to see them. Me too. Yeah. Well, then I'll see you in a few months. Yay! Can't wait. Bye. Bye. Once again, it is review time, which I love. This one is from K.O. and it's called Witchy Voyeurism. Ever wish you could listen in on a deep, informative convo between witches? This is your chance. Kim from Your Average Witch asks all the right questions to their guests. They're so good and nearly always leave me thinking from new perspectives. If you haven't given this podcast a listen, what are you waiting for? That last part was all in caps. <laughs> thanks, K.O. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod. Facebook at facebook.com slash youraveragewitchpodcast, at youraveragewitch.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review. You can review us on Amazon and Apple Podcasts, and now you can rate us on Spotify. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. To rate Your Average Witch on Spotify, click the home key, click on Your Average Witch Podcast, and then leave a rating. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash cleverkimscurios. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes.